Hello, hello. Hello. And welcome to the season two finale of the New York Mystery Machine. Tell me how I'm about ghosts. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've made it another full year. That's crazy. On the show, how exciting. What episode number is this? What episode number is this? <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Caught you off guard with that. Why do you do these things to me? Um, this is the episode... Number 95. That's crazy. 95 episodes and a bonus. And a bonus. And all the patron exclusives. Right. So 95 and like. Plus. Yeah. 95 plus episodes. And you're still with us on the journey. That's that's something. That is something. You made a choice. (laughs) You stuck with it. We adore you. We appreciate you. We really appreciate you. And Um, um, we don't. We were, I'm I'm fascinated by how you're still here with all the screaming oh, and the, the sandwich side tangents. And I the... physically don't understand yeah. why you do what you do, but here you but are. Glad you do. You do what you do, and guess what? What? Some of you are so kind mm. that in addition to listening to our show, you hear our beckon and call every week. <laughs> our pleas, our cries. Our pleas and cries <laughs> to leave us a review, and one of you did. And so we're going to read it on the air like we told you we were going to do. Amazing. And here it is. I'm ready. This one comes from Brightly Bailey. Brightly Bailey gave us five stars. Thank you, Brightly Bailey. And they wrote, so glad I found them from Ain't It Scary because now I have a backlog of episodes to download from my upcoming vacation. They call us informative and fun. I like to believe they're informative and fun too. I'd like to think that too. Thanks, Bradley Bailey. Bradley Bailey, thank you so much. I know you follow us on the Instagram. I saw that as well. Uh, do us a favor. Reach out to us on the Instagram. Slide into those DMs. Send us your address. We want to send you some some stickers. You're going to be getting our normal sticker, our very cool sticker. And guess what else you're getting? You're getting oh, the man. special edition Pride 2023 sticker That's that we've special. only made 50 of. And they're going already. They're going. People are already buying them. People are already requesting them. Our patrons got them. Yep. When they're gone, they're gone, kids. So you got to get them. So um, if you're someone who wants to purchase said stickers, um, they're $5 for the special edition, $3 for our original ones. You can get them by reaching out to us, our, our, just DM our, our uh, Instagram, or email us, uh, nymystermachine at gmail.com, uh, at nymystermachine on the Instagram. It's the best way, and that's how we'll, we'll do it. We'll I'll, I'll send them your way. There's no shipping on them because I have a roll of stamps. Look at that. You know? And they're very light. They're very light. I'm sure the IRS is like, wait a minute, stop talking about this on the air. <laughs> they don't, the IRS doesn't listen to our show. And if you do, I'm so sorry for the amount of money that I owe you. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, yeah, we got those stickers. Be sure to pick up your your NY Mr. Machine Pride sticker. Again, there's there's less than 50 now. I keep saying there's only 50. There were only 50 made. That's true. But now there are less than 50. So be sure to so get pick in on that. yours up today by just dropping us a message on the old um, Instagram or email. In addition, we got cool shirts. We the Pride cool logo shirts. is now on a t-shirt. That's up Do on the shop that. below the collar.com slash NY Mr. Machine to get any t-shirts we have. The two pride t-shirts, the queer alien and the logo. We have our list t-shirt, which is our most popular t-shirt. It's the most purchased one in the oh. shop. So the list t-shirt is a is a hit. We have our original logo. We have the Tedward T. We love you, Ted. Um, and we have the um 
Failed Murder. The Failed Murder S, the 2023 World Tour, Disappeared People's Tour. So My personal favorite. Be sure to buy some t-shirts. We love to see you in the wild. And when you get your t-shirt, snap a photo. We'll share it on our Instagram. We love to see you out in the wild in some fun t-shirts. So exciting. Our finale, Christina. Finale. Can you even believe? No. <laughs> well, Absolutely not. <laughs> well, Christina, I um, I did what I do every year mm-hmm. and by every year, I mean like the second year you're right the last, the last and I figured one. it'd be good to say what our most listened to episodes were this year now here's the thing you guys you can only assume <laughs> what's gonna be on this list so before I say it mm-hmm. I'm going to just say that Nexium is being counted as a cumulative series yes or else it would just total the whole list <laughs> I didn't want to do that um, so at time of recording so a little bit before you're hearing this our top five episodes of season two, The New York Mystery Machine. Do you have any ideas? Christina? I'm trying to think. So clearly, clearly Nexium. Yeah. But then, cult following. The 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 the, the, the Spencer. That interview. That the the, the episode. But cult following is from season one. Right. The interview. Oh, sorry. Two. Yes. We did two cult interviews this year. Um, and then maybe I'm going I'm going to pull out like an oldie, like like the well. No, Christina, that can't be. That's from season one. These are just. Oh, you're just two. doing just season two. Just I thought you meant two. of all time. Okay. Oh no, God, no. <laughs> we could do of all time, but I think splitting by two. season. No, no, that makes sense. Okay, so erase both. Of, okay, so the interview mm-hmm. with Spencer and Esther. Uh, 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 oh, well, now my list is. You just gotta tell me. I'm gonna I tell you. Do. People are like, just fucking tell us. <laughs> Stop fucking guessing. Just fucking tell us. In number five. Mm-hmm. Um, Episode 50, the season two premiere, The Amityville Murders. Ooh. Um, sp- I mean, literally, it beat The Amityville Horror, which was a season two, episode two, mm-hmm. by two listens at, oh, the, at wow. present. So at the time you're listening to it, it could have flipped by now. But at time of recording this, Amityville Murders, number five, okay. most listened to season two episode. Number four. Episode fifty three, heist at the American Museum of Natural hey! History. Love that one. I felt that was. I feel like that was years ago. That feels. So we were recording in a in our summer studio. Our summer time. studio. Number three, episode sixty seven, the New York Thanksgiving Mysteries. Interesting. I'm so confused, but glad you all. Thanksgiving happened, and you all were like, "I need some very specific content for this week <laughs> while I go see my friends and family." <laughs> I'd like to feel spooked, and I would like to feel like murderous. Yeah. Number two, episode fifty-two of the season, hmm. surviving a cult and interview with former members of the Odyssey Study Group. Okay. So, um, and then. Number one, obviously, episodes 80, 81, 82, the Nexium series. If this was, if we were separating them, you guys, one, two, and three would have been Nexium, Nexium, Nexium. Um, the number one listened to episode of the entire season. Um, and I will say, the number two, the number one listened to episode of the entire season was episode 82, the interview with Sarah Edmondson. Mm-hmm. Which is also the number two listened to episode of our entire series. That yep. in ninety five episodes. Thank you very much, Sarah. <laughs> the, the most listened to episode is our pilot, the um, the Murderwell, mm-hmm. and our number two listened to episode is Sarah's episode. So crazy, crazy, crazy. crazy. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. One of my favorite episodes yeah. we've done. But um, yeah. So um, special shout out to um, Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. Ep- you know, episode fifty one. Um, uh, coming in like six dish was um. 
Elsie Siegel. Oh, okay. Yep. And Susan Leal. Those are the those are the people came, like the early stuff. Yeah, people came in the well. Also, those That's, are early, so right? The they have more so, time. That makes sense. They're, they're so cumulative. Like you know, if I did this list at the top of next season, which is maybe an interesting thing to do, yeah. moving forward instead of ending with it, start with it because uh-huh. it gives people more time. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah. That is um all that um you know our episode ranking for all time because Christina was very interested in knowing that. Um, is if we if we're separating it all, episode and number five is episode eighty one called Fallout Nexium, episode thirty three cult following the Odyssey Study Group, episode eighty cult following uh, Nexium Part One, episode eighty two cult uh, surviving cult, and episode one Murder at Manhattan. Well, those are our top five. People like to cults. You guys love cults. We love a and cult. So Fascinating. We hear you. Season three. Gonna find you a cult. We're gonna find you some more cults. Um, Christina is on it. Apparently, apparently, New York's a cult hotspot. Hot cult, mm. cult, a, a, a cult hot, spot, a cult, a cult spot. Um, but here we are, and so um, welcome to our season two finale. We ah! talk about your theories. We talk about our theories, mm-hmm. and we talk about some stuff that we missed, some updates. Mm. Um, just so you guys know, we are going to be talking about some of the things we cover this season, and among those things, of course, uh, is going to be cult behavior. Um, sexual abuse, suicide, and self-harm. Yeah. So that is a little bit of a trigger warning for this episode. And um, should I go first? Let's, yes, do. Because I'm taking us back to season one. Okay. Which, it was in play. Yeah. Might as well yeah, bring yeah, it up. that's fair, that's fair. And we're talking all about a very popular episode that used to be topping our list, but, you know, because we talked about cults a lot, has, like, lowered down. Episode 38, A 9-11 Mystery, Sneha. Yes. People want to know what happened to Sneha. Yes. Right? So this is the two things I have to report on this. The okay. first thing is uh, someone reached out on Instagram to me a few months ago about Sneha. Because, um, you know, we had talked about why didn't the husband, like, break into the house. Right. This whole thing to see where she could be. Um, Merida, I believe I was very firmly yes. on the side that the well, husband was suspicious. Well, Merida reached out to us and she said, quote, Hi, just happened to be listening to your Sneha and Philip podcast. Got fascinated with it recently after a lengthier one came out. You were talking about being bothered by her husband not trying harder to get into the building after the towers collapsed. From what I understand, I think not only was the power out in the building, but they had chained the entrances closed on the 11th, Mm. which is why he couldn't get in until the next day. Okay. It is important to note that I said I would get a ladder and climb. (laughs) You did. You did. (laughs) You did make that quite clear. But um, yeah, I hear you, Merida, and that makes total sense. And it's not something we talked about. And so thank you for bringing it to our attention that, yeah, there was a lot of power outages all over lower Manhattan, especially right next to the towers, certainly places where people weren't allowed in their buildings. And so that did make a lot of sense of why he didn't, on our end, say, we said he didn't try hard enough. Right. That may have been a little bit aggressive on our end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're still not convinced that we're that he's out of the woods Mm-mm-mm-mm. but you know but so anyway in 2022 after we had done this episode um in december hulu has a series and hulu series is called missing where it covers Ooh. a bunch of missing people and in december they covered Sneha. oh and uh, i was really excited to, to watch it yeah. and to kind of report back um i didn't realize that it existed until like a month ago i was like oh my gosh so those be good for the finale nice um so in missing uh the people in hulu the investigators covered a lot of ground and kind of um, I kind of wanted to bring us up to speed on some of their theories, mm-hmm. the final mm-hmm. theories of what happened. I will say, not to be braggadocious, 
but they covered a lot of things that we talked about oh, on the pod. So oh. it's not that new. But, Maybe they were listening to us. But they kind of like settled down on their final theories. I kind of want to talk about their final theories and talk through those things a little bit. Okay. Again, for those who don't remember, head on back to episode 38, um, if you haven't listened to it, A 9-11 Mystery. Stan and Philip went missing on September 11th. She was last seen on September 10th. There's photos of her on September 10th with shopping bags. She's never seen after ever again. There was a lot of turmoil in her life, in her mm-hmm. career, uh, personal life. And so there's a lot of fears of what could have possibly happened to her. Um, the prevailing theory in Sneha's disappearance was that she was one of the thousands who died during the attacks on the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. We talked about this as probably the most likely of scenarios yeah. that, you know, during Sneha's phone call with her mother, she mentioned wanting to visit a restaurant located at the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And although no proof has been found that she visited that that restaurant, Sneha's parents speculated that her daughter may have spent the night away from home on September 10th mm-hmm. and had been killed in the attacks the next day, um, either by you know responding to them. She was a right. medical physician. She was right. a doctor. So... If I'm a doctor, my first urge, honestly, is probably to go to see go what see I can what do. To go see what you do, yeah. Um, others speculate that maybe she was just walking in the area and she was hit by some debris um, when the building collapsed. I mean, again, she, her, the home was very close to, to, and we've seen so much countless footage yeah. of how far that debris spread when those yeah. towers collapsed. Yeah, if you were yeah. right next to that building, there's a good chance that you were trapped under that rubble. Even so, if you were further away, my my grandmother yeah, was yeah. working further away at the time and she said she could feel like she thought her building was getting attacked. Yeah. Um so prevailing people are still thinking that she probably passed away. Her family believes that she passed away. Um I still lean in that direction a bit. Mm-hmm. Something we didn't cover was the next theory, and that was perhaps she took her own life. Hmm. Stanha was having a hard time in both her professional and personal life. She had been fired from her first job due to complaints about her not being punctual and being off task. Um, at the hospital she was working at at the time of her disappearance, she was put on notice for coming to work while under the influence of alcohol hmm. and not attending mandatory counseling. In addition, she was facing criminal charges stemming from an incident where she falsely accused a coworker of groping her. Hmm. Police determined her allegations were untrue and that she was subsequently charged with a fi- with um, filing a false police report. Um, in fact, she was arraigned on those charges the day she went missing. If you recall, right. September 10th, she was on the last place that many par- people saw her was fighting with her husband on the steps of the um, uh, the the courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, her, also, her brother-in-law, Rob Lieberman, reported that he had caught his wife having an affair with Sneha. If you recall that from season one, very loaded episode. Go yeah. back and listen if you haven't. Good feed. episode. Uh, all these problems have led some to speculate that Sneha may have made the decision to take her own life and her body was simply not found um, A, because of the attacks yeah. on September 11th um, in addition, if she perished from one of NYC's many bridges, she could have been swept away by the, cor- by right. the, the currents and nobody and again, was going to go looking for those days we know from the Michelle Harris episode yeah. who went missing on 9-11 that resources were so thin everywhere in yeah. New York on 9-11 all the concentration was, everything was happening at Twin Tower site yeah. and so it uh, it could have just been a matter of really good timing mm-hmm. in which it all happened, or bad timing, right? You know, but like yeah. on either end. Okay. Another thing they proposed was that perhaps she was murdered. Mm-hmm. You, Christina, <laughs> talked heavily about maybe her husband murdered her. Um, people thought perhaps she was maybe murdered by a stranger or someone she knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, as mentioned previously, she suffered from several personal issues. 
Uh, in Missing, it's mentioned that uh, many nights Neha would leave the house to go out and drink on her mm-hmm. own. I spoke about this as well last year. Um, and sometimes she wouldn't return for days at a time. This has led many to think that maybe she went out of the night of September 10th, met her doom uh, mm-hmm. at the end at the hands by an assailant, mm-hmm. whether someone she knows from some of these bars or perhaps yeah. a stranger, just wrong place, wrong time. Right. Um, and the theory that's pushed along right next to her death, this is what we were caught on. We were caught on two big theories. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought either she died or yeah. she used a tragedy to start a start new life. New life. Um, of course, there's little evidence to support that notion. That's the goal of starting a new life. Right. Um, Fair. Uh, when she was last seen, she only had a handful of personal belongings with her and didn't return to the apartment to get any items that probably would have been helpful in running away, such as other IDs and cards, but... Also, when you're starting a new life, maybe you do want to start right. totes fresh. Right. Moreover, there have not been any sightings of her since she disappeared. There haven't been any uh, activity on her accounts. Uh, a forensic analyst of her computer and phone records also found nothing to indicate she was planning on running away. And uh, that. Well, if you're not planning on running away, but then a tragedy, a massive nationwide event happens and you see it as an opportunity, you're not going to show much evidence of planning for that, yeah. right? Yeah. So. That is all I got on that front. Some more theories. I'm, you know, talking about being murdered, talking about taking her own life. Um, more concrete theories in, in terms of just a little bit how her, her, mm-hmm. her life was a bit chaotic. Yeah. So all these are, all four of these things are more plausible than not. Yeah. Um, and it's, I guess it's a continuing developing story. Her family is still uh, searching for her. Um, uh. Technically, she is, you know, we spoke about this. She is officially listed as perishing on 9-11. Right. Uh, after there was a lot of chaos in that, she was taken off the list, put on the list. Is um, her name on the monument? Then? I believe so. Okay. Her name's on the monument. And um, she was officially, cause of death is deceased on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, there's still not a lot of evidence to say yeah. either way. But so many people died that day where the evidence right. isn't the same. She's one of a lot of stories. Right, right. And that's what I got on... On Sneha. On Sneha. What do you got, Christina? We've got, you know, going with the idea of disappearance thematically, um, we're going to do a little follow up on Marie Empress. Marie Empress. Marie Empress. The Empress. <laughs> the Empress of Marie. No. Um, so we recently got someone. Actually, actually, it's our reviewer. Oh, yeah. Our reviewer commented. Um, Brightly Bailey. Well, look at that. Uh, wrote on Instagram oh, on one of Bailey. on one of the Marie Empress posts. What a doll! Look at that. Um, and they responded to to what they think happened with Marie Empress. And so Brightly Bailey writes, "My theory is if it was a body double type event, perhaps that person disembarked somehow as staff, mm. as I'm sure they were not as noticeable. So basically, if you remember, did we talk about like that? As a, I don't even think we talked about like a staff. Not that. That's the that's thing. Smart. That's smart. That's very smart. Um, so to recap briefly and put that in context, uh, Marie Empress was the vaudeville and silent film star of the early 1900s. Her name was definitely not Marie Empress. Um, and while biographers have done some really impressive work reconstructing who she might have been, uh, we don't have anything definitive. Um, she lists different contacts and different passenger records on ships she took between Europe and the States. Sometimes she went by Marie Empress, sometimes Marie Keene or uh, a Marie Keene with a different spelling. Uh, her last voyage she had a passport that said M.A. Smith um, 
she behaved very obviously in a number of ways on her last voyage to New York from Britain. Um, but then she was not in her stateroom as the ship approached New York Harbor. And indeed, she would never be seen again. And the, the thing there is that people assume, okay, well, she must have killed herself um, and jumped overboard. But she had a stateroom in a very busy corridor. There was no body found. There was no one. No one saw shit. No one saw her. It was a very busy corridor where she would have been seen coming and going. Uh, no one heard a splash. They were only a couple of hours from New York. Um, and so it's sort of a, it's sort of a, a, how did she get out? Yeah. Basically. Um, so what brightly Bailey seems to be proposing aligns with that idea that, right. We talked a bit about Marie Empress in terms of maybe she never got on the ship. Mm. Right. So one theory is that she also like, started a new life out of the limelight um and that she may have you know again because of these sort of obvious things she did she was very obvious about the money she was spending or that she had on her she was very obvious in calling attention to herself she would wear this really big hat she wanted to be seen she She wanted to be be seen seen. and also with something like the big hat she's also dressing in a way that sort of obscures her face so she's calling attention that she's present on the ship but also don't get a good look at her yeah there's no doubt in my mind that she started a new life yeah I left that episode I'm still very convinced same but I do appreciate that note because I my big big wonder was like well how she just slipped off right you have to be checked out right and so as staff you know right you have to get checked out and it's not the same kind of custom certainly that we have today but you still have to there was a customs process and you know that's why you can do ancestry research and right and like find I, I, I vaguely remember you saying that there was no reporter for getting off the boat exactly like that was no reporter point. for getting off the boat um and there's anyone getting off the boat would have to sort of go through this check basically yeah. right um but if you're staff i imagine that you know it would be very easy to slip by as a porter yeah. or someone carrying someone's bag and just leave you. And yeah. then like pres- the customs officer is going to presume, Oh, you're going back to the ship to get the next bag and you can just sort of slip through maybe. Totally. Um, and what that, that also helps in terms of like Marie's stateroom was found with, and she was an impersonator, right? So she also was known for her, um, she would, she would dress in men's clothes a lot mm. um, for different things. And they did find, she was quite theatrical, quite theatrical. She would, they did find men's clothes still in her dressing room yeah. or her stateroom. And so there's lots of different possibilities for if you're dressing a staff, how you, how a look, look alike might have also slipped off the ship mm. um, or, or Marie herself. But yeah, uh, well, thanks yeah. for that tip because I I agree. I think that is the most. I I if someone said to me what happened to Mary Empress, my story would be that she got on the boat, tried to like be the most attention seeking person mm-hmm. so that people knew that she was on that boat, mm-hmm. and then when she was on that boat, people were like whatever happened to her? I guess she right. died on the boat, and she slipped off like yeah in, like a porter's uniform or something yeah like, easy breezy, and because she worked there. Right, it's easier there to is. slip around. You're not, you're not as noticed. You're not as um, noticed. So thanks for that, Bradley Bailey. Yeah. Um, in episode ninety, one of you, you reached out and you told us a story about a haunting at the Mar- Marquis Hotel. Yes. Mary, this is for you, girl. Um, we we thank you because we also had questions. We were <laughs> like, Mary. First and foremost, did you like Avina? Right. <laughs> how us, was Ricky Martin? <laughs> how was Ricky Martin? Mary did, in fact, like Avina. Okay. 
especially Ricky Martin. Ooh. This is very fascinating. I want to go back. I want to find, like, I'm sure there's got to be a bootleg recording somewhere on YouTube, right? I got. I want to find a recording of Ricky Martin and Evita. Oh, there's not. Yeah, I mean, there's clips. That he's at the Tonys. Oh, I got to go watch We'll those. share it on the, I'll share it on Instagram. Yeah, I'll share it on Instagram. Um, in addition, Mary also said that um, they are coming back to New York this summer, but they're not staying at the Mount Marquis, clearly. I mean, smart move. Smart move. Yeah. Someone else reached out for Mary. Oh. So Mary, this is another, this is going to be our relationship now. <laughs> you email and I email you back. Or we talk to you through the radio waves. Through the radio waves. <laughs> One person would like to know in particular how heavy the luggage was. Ooh. That was a question that they had. How heavy was the luggage? If you recall, Mary told us her story about basically Every time they left the room at the Marriott Marquis, the luggage would open and either be misplaced and everything would be all over the place. The first time, it was just moved over into the bathroom. The second time, it was wide open and everything mm-hmm. was sprawled out all over the room. And so people kind of were like, I'm just curious as to... So I think someone wants to make a theory but needs to know how heavy right. the luggage is. Interesting. I I assume it's like a big one of those big old plasticky luggages, but who knows? Right. But you, those... Can- potentially be like lighter weight or it depends how much you stuff it right like that's the real thing in life it just depends just how, how much you stuff it. it i'm an overpacker by a lot um and they were just in for like the weekend basically they're right? for the weekend a long weekend yeah yeah i'm curious about how so mary get back to us and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll chat it up Thanks, as mary. much as we can all right well mary's gonna get back to us Probably not before this episode ends. No. So that we'll save that for some time for a bonus Ooh. in season three. We love bonuses. When we get back from the break, you guys, I'm gonna hit you with a fan favorite. I'm gonna hit you with a fan favorite. Yes, it's it's cult information because yep. it's all you apparently want. you want cult. All you want from us is cult stuff. <laughs> well, we have some more updates on Nexium and Nikki Klein coming up after the break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. We're back. We're back. You guys. And we have all the things to talk about in terms of this recap <laughs> and um, all, in, the in, in the, all the things about a couple of very specific things. Well, we gave you three episodes on Nexium, and that wasn't enough. Right. So then we gave you a bonus episode on Nexium, and that wasn't enough. You just you 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 want it. You harp and you harp, <laughs> and we're nothing but humble servants. That's all we're here for to, to serve the machinists. Which is the, hey! hey. So um. 
in our bonus episode, we let everyone know that Nikki Klein made a uh, a denouncement of Keith Raniere. Nikki Klein is a part of a, a small section of Nexium uh, followers and supporters who, you know, throughout the trial, really pledged their allegiance to Keith Raniere, seen famously in the Vow season two, mm-hmm. dancing like crazy outside of his holding cell in Brooklyn. Yep. It was strange. <laughs> well, Nikki Klein made a statement to um, the Frank Report and, you know, talked about, you know, denouncing Keith yeah. and said that she may or may not talk more about it later. Well, guess what? <gasps> a week later, she talked more about it. And Folks, I, have, I had no idea. I know. I know you didn't. I didn't tell you. Yeah. So Nikki Klein made a follow-up statement that brought a little light to the specificity of what led her to denounce Keith, which is what we were... Curious about yeah, like what the, was the tipping point at the here? end of that episode? We were like, what was the tipping point for the for her leaving? Because right. like there was a lot, right? To, right, to so there was right, there was already a lot of evidence. So she said the following statement on the Frank report: "Quote, after sharing my recent statement announcing I was leaving Keith Raniere, I did not have any follow up posts planned. However, I want to acknowledge the body of evidence I finally confronted that convinced me to leave Keith and not look back." Previously, I had ignored most of it, or to be more accurate, I believe Keith's defenses and that the allegations made against him were lies, fabricated by enemies, and further distorted by Frank Parlato on his website. While I don't agree with everything published on it, the Frank Report was by far the most influential in the breakup of Nexium, even before the New York Times story, and the, and the subsequent criminal prosecution. His exposure led people leave... His exposure led to people leaving Nexium and DOS almost immediately after his first story about DOS in June 2017. I thought it would have a greater personal significance to Keith and to his remaining supporters that I announced my departure on the Frank Report over any other publication. I understand that many of Keith's supporters despise and fear Frank, and I believe he, not Keith, is the cause of Keith's woes, the destruction of Nexium, and the reason some of their lives are in shambles. I used to feel the same way. In this post, I intend to share with those who still think Keith means well some areas of my research that led me to change my view. I encourage those who have an interest to examine the subsequent 30 controversies to question whether each is a falsehood, conspiracy, or misinterpretation, Mm -hmm. as Keith alleges. Number one, the fantastic claims, lies by omissions, and outright uh, embellishments found in Keith's biography and public statements about himself. Hmm. That's true. We know yeah. how Keith oh boy. thought he was a fucking shit. Like, yeah. God on earth. Yeah. Number two, the context of his self-administered take-home IQ test and his mm-hmm. assertion that he is one of the top three problem solvers in the world. Yeah. Some bullshit. He couldn't solve his problem he's in right now. How <laughs> you solve that jail problem? Do not. <laughs> the claims of statutory rape made by various accusers over the decade and Keith's defense that all these unrelated accusers are lying. Yeah. Number four, the numerous allegations of intimidation, aggression, and violence from Keith's ex-partners, as well as his refusal to let women and to let women end relationships with him amicably. Mm. Number mm-hmm. five, the story of his failed MLM company, Consumers Byline, and the circumstances surrounding its collapse. Yep. Which Christina spoke about in episode one yeah. of that Nexium series. Number six, the circumstances surrounding his loss of over $66 million of other people's money in the commodities market. Number seven, 
what was the purpose of a civil litigation against multiple targets, mm -hmm. primarily those with little to no wealth, fueled by almost unlimited funding? Mm -hmm. He would spend exponentially more legal fees than the amount of damages he sought to recover, showing that the uh, ostensible purpose of the lawsuit, monetary damages, was not the real purpose of litigation. Number eight, his use of well-paid political connected lawyers to convince prosecutors to investigate and indict his enemies, most of whom were former friends, ex-lovers, and past business associates. Number nine, how does one man initiate so many lawsuits <laughs> and criminal complaints against people he once claimed to care for? How might this have psychologically affected the people closest to him when considering whether to stay or leave? Mm -hmm. Number 10, the boomerang impact of his litigation on his own companies and the people in them. Negative press starting in 2003, hindered by ESP's growth due to revelations during lawsuits uh, he brought against multiple partners. 11, his lawsuit against AT&T and Microsoft, in which he claimed to have invented teleconferencing technology and subsequently sanctioning by judge for lying under oath. I don't remember that I, one. I missed that one. I missed that. I missed That's that incredible. One. So thank you, Nikki Klein, for also bringing that one. stuff yeah. we missed. Nikki Klein is the source on the show. Yeah. <laughs> 12, his advice to the Brothman sisters to invest more than $26 million in Los Angeles real estate venture and how it collapsed because his chosen developer, a personal friend, stole millions of dollars. <sighs> 13, as you examine Keith's track record, consider whether he has been seen as an innocent victim when he initiated so many activities that led to significant failures mostly to the detriment of others. Mm -hmm. 14, concerning his firstborn child, Keith and others lied about the identities of the parents of the rest of the community. What honorable father denies his paternity? Ele uh, 15, after the mother left him, Keith refused to provide financial support to his firstborn son because he claimed the mother was crazy and a liar. Even if he didn't want to give money directly to financially struggling mother, he could have provided funds for the child mm -hmm. through a trust to ensure he was properly cared for. 16, it gets deep here, kids. His relationship with Camilla. Mm -hmm. Was his mentorship an act of goodwill or abusive or selfish? Even if you ignore the evidence that he began an illegal relationship with her when she was 15, he was 45, their adult age relationship as evidenced by chat, email, text evidence messages show manipulative dynamic between a leader of a community and a young woman who lived and worked in the community who was 30 years his junior. Mm -hmm. The ethics and circumstances surrounding Daniela's stay in her bedroom for almost two years, even if the door was unlocked, what type of man allows young women, a young woman to be languished indoors mm -hmm. in a bedroom for over 22 months, mm -hmm. even if it had been, as Keith said, quote, a battle of wills between him and Daniela, shouldn't he have been the wiser, more humane and mature leader and encouraged her to leave her room? As Keith has good reason to know, being confined indoors without fresh air, sunlight, exercise, harms the health and body and mind. Daniela's hundreds of letters to him, most of which he did not read, showed her mind was becoming increasingly unstable and her health was waning. Almost any other form of discipline or punishment would have been preferable and likely more effective. 18, the false promises Keith made to the women regarding motherhood, monogamy, and spirituality mm -hmm. and his harsh, deceptive tactics to prevent them from leaving when they are unhappy or discovered his lies. 19, his failing Ill feigning illness so others would sacrifice him and feel guilty about prioritizing his needs. Keith told women he had everything from cancer to life-threatening heart disease. It was nowhere near close to death, as we know, by his health report when he was arrested. Right. 20, his creation of DOS and deception about his role as a leader. Even if some aspects of DOS helped women, his plan and the execution of those plans show extreme recklessness and poor judgment. 21, Keith's 
secretive lifestyle choices brought controversy to the organization. Simultaneously, he propagated a belief system that was infallible. The record shows his judgment was often wrong and destructive to others. 22, his claims of mystical powers and control over nature were dubious at best. They were more likely told to manipulate and confuse followers and create a myth-like persona. 23, he demanded secrecy and monogamy from his partners while having numerous relationships, condemning most women to a lonely life and denying women an opportunity for motherhood. 24, was his sexual relationship with three sisters for his welfare or theirs? He kept his relationship with the youngest a secret from the oldest and, at times, pitted one against another. He promised Camilla a child and instead had a child with her sister. Without listing all the sordid details, his conduct can cause a 10-year-plus schism in a family that still exists today. 25, Keith had sexual relationships with more than two dozen women who worked for his company. This created impossible dynamics and inequities, especially since many didn't know about each other, and it was withheld from the rest of the company and public. 26, he claimed to some that sex with him provided spiritual growth and that his semen and had mystical properties. He told women that having sex with another man could have fatal consequences for him. Yet many women left him and had relationships with other men seemingly without directly impacting his health. 27, the promotion of the belief through organizations he founded and their leadership that questions his teaching stemmed from personal weakness or issues and, and the ensuing culture of shunning and punishment for the dissent. Was this meant to enhance lives and manipulate individuals to complete to compliance and self-doubt? Hmm. 28, since his arrest, he was shown a lack of concern for his followers' welfare. Instead, he demands they focus intensely on his issues, sacrifices well-being, finances, and reputation. 29, the high percentage of people who relocated to Albany to work with the company and pursue spiritual growth under Keith's guidance, but ultimately became less productive, earned less, and and accrued significant debt. Where was the quote-unquote executive success? Hmm. And number 30, the numerous individuals who claimed to have been severely harmed by him, even before his arrest and exposure by the Frank Report, the New York Times, and subsequent media coverage. While many historically significant saints or prophets have faced persecution in their time, how many have left many disillusioned former disciples in their wake? Individually, some of these points may not be compelling. However, when considered together and weighed against the word of a man who promotes himself as the epitome of ethics, wisdom, and nobility, they create a conflict. If you dig deeper and consider the above controversies carefully as I did, I think you will find that the only resolution to the conflict is that Keith Raniere is not the man he claims to be. Well. That was a lot. I'm so sorry. But, you know. It it sounds like. It sounds to me like she has spent just more like time sitting with it. Yeah. Right. Like. It's interesting that these are the things that like she was mulling over and like what tipped tipped it for her. But it's interesting also that it's not that it's. You know, it's 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 sort of reframing a lot of the information that she had. Right. And sort of, I guess, sitting with it and and. I mean, good on good on her. Good on her for what's the term that Sarah uses? Uh, waking up for waking up. Yeah, good on her for waking up. Um, yeah, and so that is that. And another positive, Sarah Edmondson recently did a TEDx talk. Um, nice. And so I believe that will be. I think it's available on the TED website. 
Um, just search her name. Um, if it's not available now, it'll be available soon. soon. Um, just talking about um, her her journey and experiences in in Nexium and surviving and moving forward. Um, and a little bit culty is still thriving. So amazing, amazing Love show. A we, bit we we thank Sarah so much for coming on the show this season. It was such. Uh, a pleasure yeah. and, and such a wonderful experience get to talk with her and so um that is your nexium update Ooh. bring us br- pull us back up christina here we go uh we got something much lighter for you right now so um we are going to return to our very recent investigation of bigfoot how do we miss something like two weeks ago it's not well it's more it's born out of our conversation uh so two weeks ago we talked about Bigfoot in New York and New England with Ain't Too Scary with Sean and Carrie. Um, and one thing came up a lot, and that is shooting Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. People be shooting Bigfoot. <laughs> Don't shoot Bigfoot. Don't shoot Bigfoot. That was our resounding comment. Um, on both shows. On we, both, on both shows. shows. Don't shoot Bigfoot. Because there's all these hunting parties, right? So, like, throughout the Bigfoot reporting in New York, in New England, eyewitnesses, especially in the 1800s and early 1900s, felt compelled upon stumbling upon an unknown creature to reach for their guns. Um, and more often than not, they did not actually shoot. Something prevented them, whether paranormal or... Or, or a moral pang of, wait, this kind of looks like maybe it's a human, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe we shouldn't just shoot first and talk later. <laughs> right. Uh, but so usually, usually they don't pull the trigger. A couple did and missed, but usually don't pull the trigger. So we became big proponents of don't shoot Bigfoot. It's going to be a t-shirt next season. Don't yeah, shoot there's Bigfoot. There's no doubt in my mind. Perfect, uh, perfect uh, pendant t-shirt to Sean and Carrie's, what is it? Don't fat shame Don't Bigfoot. fat shame Bigfoot. Don't shoot. Don't fat shame Bigfoot. Yeah. Don't shoot Bigfoot. Um, so I came across this 2012 featurette from New York Mag. And it reads, It's a beautiful autumn day. You're out hunting in upstate New York. You're looking for deer, maybe pheasant. But instead, you happen to stumble upon a Bigfoot. <laughs> Do you shoot it? Leave it alone? Nobody knows, because the state has failed to offer any guidelines about Bigfoot hunting. That's why Peter Werner of the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Expo recently wrote to the Department of Environmental Conservation seeking protection for the noble beast. They actually wrote back, and here they quote from that response. This mythical animal does not exist in nature or otherwise. I understand, however, that some well-organized hoaxes or pranks have occurred, leading some people to believe that such an animal does live. However, the simple truth of the matter is that there is no such animal anywhere in the world. I'm sorry to disappoint you. However, no program or action in relation to mythical animals is warranted. Which is like such a couple things here. One, it's a very certain response about something that even Jane Goodall was willing to entertain. Um and two, pretty short-sighted. So compare this to Champy. Champy is protected by law in New York State. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, may- maybe in Vermont too, I don't remember, but definitely in New York State. Um, so Wiener, according to a Huffington Post article, says that there should still be some de facto protection of Bigfoot for anyone who's worried. Um, there is no designated hunting season for Bigfoot. And thus, Bigfoot is technically off limits and a protected species. Oh, my gosh. Uh, By not being listed in the hunting syllabus of New York State, uh, we wrote, any non-listed species then becomes a protected species. Per my phone conversation with the Department of Environmental Conservation spokesperson, Mark Candle. Now, 
Candle denied that part of the conversation as being accurate, telling the Huffington Post via email simply that, quote, New York State has taken no action with regard to listing or protecting Bigfoot. But there is apparently another email to Weimer where Candle said that, yeah, no open season means you can't take Bigfoot. Um, and that, quote, we are confident that the current laws and regulations afford adequate protect, which is how they wrote it, but uh, for Bigfoot if one were to be found in New York. So basically, you're allowed to uh, hunt for Bigfoot insofar as you can look for evidence of him. But truly, for the love of all that is good, please put your guns down. They have it. That's a little little legal update. Legal on, update on not shooting. On not shooting Bigfoot. Just don't do it. There's no Bigfoot hunting season. All right. And we have one more wonderful treasure to close the season. I can't wait to hear it. This one comes for us from Junebug39. Hmm. And Junebug wrote the following. In regards to Larry the hipster ghost, <gasps> there is no doubt in my mind that Larry moved here from the Midwest, settled in Williamsburg, <laughs> decided to spend the night at the Chelsea Hotel because that's a New York thing to do, and somehow, some way, died in the hotel, and will now spend the rest of eternity as the awful hipster that has moved into every section of Manhattan and Brooklyn, questioning, talking, and generally bothering everyone who's born here. Incredible. No Thank- no notes, Junebug. I think Thanks, you're right. I mean, hey. Um, actually yeah. <laughs> I think that's very uh broad. Uh people just because you're not from New York doesn't mean you're you don't belong in New York. Calm down, Larry. <laughs> we had another Larry reference by the end of the season. Uh, we had that one. Love Larry. So yeah, Larry the Hipster Ghost moved here from the Midwest, settled in Williamsburg, that feels spent a night at the Chelsea Hotel because what else do you do? And now he will gentrify that hotel forever. Yeah, that feels that feels yeah, true. That checks out. I'm glad that's how we uh we, we wrap up season two with Larry. With Larry, our our new favorite character. Um, actually, <laughs> you guys got to know that sometimes. <sighs> People exist in your lives, whether they exist on a spiritual plane or literal plane. And regardless of the plane, we also need to fly together. God, Larry. God, Larry. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of plane, Larry. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense, Larry. God dang it. Well, you guys. That's season two that's season of two. the New York Mystery Machine. We are taking a couple weeks off. We are. We are off for two weeks. And then we are back July 17th. <laughs> With season three Woo! of the New York Mystery Machine. And you guys, this season is going to be a crazy one. There's going to be screaming. There's, There's going to be architectural more, references. More characters, <laughs> more architectural references. We're going to have some more interviews. Um, probably a cult. Uh, Mama so, Nelly is going to be on the show. Mama Nelly's gonna, she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be on the show. She's listening to the show right now, so she knows This that. is your invitation. Um, going to make some new sandwiches. <laughs> some new sandwiches. If you can't get enough of the New York Mystery Machine, go back to our backlog. If you can't get enough of the New York Mystery Machine while we're gone, join our Patreon for $5 a month, and you can go listen to our bonus episodes that we released this past year. Um, we're going to have some more of those this, this couple, upcoming season as well. So the more people who join, the more... You know, material we'll be pushing out there. Yeah. Um, so be sure to to 
Go to our Patreons, patreon.com slash nymystermachine. Um, if you like what you hear, we would love if you can take these next few weeks and just write us a review, drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yep. Spotify, you can give us five stars. Audible, you can give us five stars and some reviews and some words. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll read your review on the air. Um, be sure to get some merch if you want. We got stickers on sale. You just drop us a DM and we can throw those your way. Um, we got t-shirts on sale below the com slash nymystermachine, you guys. We are so grateful that you we guys are. have spent this year. Uh, our numbers uh, tripled, I believe. We found out in in crazy in the Christmas the, yes. the Spotify wrapped. Yes, on Spotify alone, our numbers tripled. Right. Continue to tell people to listen to the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, so they can catch up for they have ninety five episodes to to get through yep. before we start our next journey. Um, so exciting! It's going to be an exciting new year. So uh, be sure to to hang out with us this coming July as we get back in the van and head up all of New York's craziest, zaniest mysteries, missing people's murders, ghosts, aliens, big feet, hijinks, and more. I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And thanks for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Uh, Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. I so appreciate that. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm.